We've been in a series that we started last week uh, for this month of August that we've entitled Wrecked, How to Avoid Messing Up Your Life. And so I've kind of taken a little different twist at it uh, than maybe what you're normally uh, would would understand in coming to church. And so uh, if you're new, I'll kind of explain that a little bit more. But I want to continue in that topic to help every one of us about some decisions and maybe a way to understand and how to put God's word at work in our life to avoid making some major uh, challenges or mistakes in our life. So in getting started this morning, let me just ask a couple of questions. See if you're kind of where I'm at today. So how many of you are married this morning? Can you just raise your hands up? Uh, you're married here today? Awesome. Yeah, hands up. So that's awesome. Let me ask you another question. How many of you, maybe you're not married, but maybe you'd like to get married someday. Maybe that's a part you're just kind of praying for, a couple of hands that are going up. Maybe we'll just let you keep hands up for a long, little longer and start looking around like who's out, right? Maybe, maybe help you out. I do everything that I can for you in real life today, right? Let me ask you one more question today, all right? So whether you are married today or not, how many of you honestly plan one day to commit adultery or have an affair? Let me see your hands. Come on, put them up everywhere. Where are they everywhere? Whoa. How many did I get you on that one, right? Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? When we think about, man, when we talk about marriage or we're talking about this hope of getting married, Pastor Jim, why would you be talking about about who wants to commit adultery or who wants to have an affair. Well, the really interesting fact in all of this, although none of us as here, or I don't think anybody would put their hands up for that kind of question, yet according to the Journal of Psychology and Christianity, the statistics say that 65% of husbands and 55% of wives will commit adultery by the age of 40. There's some shocking things that we need to understand when it comes to the idea of relationships and marriage, and maybe for some of you today in the room that are are single, the idea of one day being married. You see, although we say, Pastor Jim, I would statistically plan on committing adultery or having an affair, yet according to statistics, we're not talking about those outside of the church, we're talking about those inside of the church, a lot of people will And really what's been the driving factor of our study in this entire series that I want to give you at least two reasons why. And number one is that we have to recognize that we have a spiritual enemy whose mission is to kill, to steal, and destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. I think sometimes we get coddled into a place where we don't understand that life is a warfare as well. That we understand that as much as we want to certainly seek God, that there is the Bible tells us that we have a spiritual enemy that is looking to provide any opportunity to trip us up, to bring a temptation into our lives, to get us off of focus that will wreck our life. And unfortunately, as long as I have been doing this, even within the church, a lot of people fall for that. You see, the enemy's pull is that he wants to bring questions and to weaken the authority of God, to weaken the word of God because his goal is to destroy our faith. We talked about from the very beginning, in the lives of Adam and Eve, did not the enemy, the tempter, the Bible says, come to them and question, right? Did God really say that? And so when we find ourselves in troubling and and quiet and difficult moments in our life, the enemy knows how to raise those temptations and questions. And here's the second thing that I think, again, will be the initiator to some things that I want to share with you this morning is unquestionably one of the major things that matters to God for humanity is the covenant of marriage. And we realize by far that the enemy of our souls is trying to break up and destroy this covenant of marriage and relationship has been, but even more, in our world today. That's why we have to be even paying more closely attention, because not only does God love us as humanity, but God's striving for us, God's foundation for us is based on the covenant of marriage and the building of strong families. And unfortunately, we see it not only in the world around us, but we are seeing it in the church world within us, the crumbling of marriages, of homes, and of families and relationships. And so I want to help you today about how to avoid wrecking your marriage, wrecking your home, and wrecking your life. Now for some of you, you've got to be probably my age or a little bit more. You remember where media was a number of years ago, Ozzy and Harriet. Can I get a slight amen for anybody that remembers Ozzy and Harriet? Ward and June Cleaver, 
right? When we, when we, today we talk about social media, but before social media, how many know that there was media, right, back then, right? A lot of these shows that, that we would watch would show these husbands and wives not even sleeping in the same bed, Right? They would be depicted and sleeping in separate twin beds because, again, we were trying to avoid all appearance of what would even be sent as any kind of message that we would put out there. But today we have sex in the city. We have desperate housewives and temptation island that are drawing the mass of humanity as to how we can wreck our relationships, how we can bring temptation into our marriage and and build a foundation or a family on all of the lewd and the, the ungodly kind of decisions that can happen in life. Today, Hollywood is promoting married couples that are jumping in and out of any available bed in which they can find And my challenge to us is today that don't think that this is not swinging culture, that there is not power in the media still today. And don't think that it doesn't sway the minds of husbands and wives, not only outside of the church, but inside the church as well. I recently came across a TED Talk that, again, are pretty popular online and for those that are, are trying to dig into various deeper topics in our society. And he cognated that because certainly of the internet and the, the availability now to uh, things that are being streamed around the world, that the first and unlimited view that a young boy will have on pornography is now age 10. I mean, when we can think about some of the challenges that we had in our lifetime, knowing that I knew I grew up in the, in the country, and some of that stuff was, was kept from me a long time into my life. I was certainly sheltered in some way, but we know that there was a stronger hold by the way of the culture that we are part of today. And unfortunately, we have some parents that have their heads in their clouds while their kids and their young boys have their faces in the internet seeing some things that are swaying the culture of their little minds at this age. And it is rocking our world to its core. Church, we cannot let marriages fail. Can I say it again? We cannot let marriages fail. We need to be radical in protecting our sons and our daughters and understanding the covenant that God has placed for the foundation of our homes, of our marriages, our families, and our children's today. Listen, if you're going to shout amen, I'll shout amen to that. Yes? Amen! I want to challenge those of you today that are heads of households, you that are moms and dads today, I want to pray especially over you before we leave today, and I want you to be open, maybe to respond before we close today, that God will help you in whatever condition, whatever state that you are in today, that we as the church will be radical in protecting our families, protecting our marriages today. You see, a lot of times we have a tendency to think that, that uh, uh, you know, how do, how do these things happen? How did we get where we were at? And I want you to know, as I'm sure that you are aware, there is a process in all of this. And what happens is, is that, that one day seemingly, right, that people just wake up. My spouse is not really all that I hope for, and I'm, I'm feeling dissatisfied. Uh, my needs, uh, my expectations are are no longer being met. Ladies are wondering, where did this Prince Charming go that swept me off my feet when, when we were dating, when, when we were engaged and all of this, and, and all of those things that used to happen no longer happen. Maybe we question if it's really a sin to be true to who I am and to really put it out there that I'm dissatisfied or Many times, Debbie and I hear spouses uh, declare that I just want to be happy, that, I, that, 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 that it definitely moves to a focus of, of selfishness and this desire to promote me more than, than we, and step by step, we move, and somewhere in that journey, we cross the line. I don't know that anybody necessarily wakes up one morning and decides like this is it. I think that you and I would be understanding that it is usually a process. Maybe slow, maybe ever quickening, but we realize one little decision at a time until you recognize that my life, my home, my family has been wrecked. It's these steps, small even as they are, that maybe we're able to maybe understand or maybe rationalize one by one. And then it comes to the point where we can't even recognize or be sure of where and when we crossed the line. 
And so today I ask that you'll pay even more close attention as we have this desire to shore up the relationship that God has put with inside of us, not only for us with his people, but for his church and for our lives as well. So I want to make it easy for those of you that are, are, are new with us today. I've kind of changed the format a little bit. Um, and maybe we kind of thought, I had this thought yesterday, obviously as kind of culture shifts and, and we have different ways to maybe try to articulate or to get the point across, right, for those of us that, that maybe do this a little bit more regularly. Uh, sometimes there's a fear that, you know, you can just kind of gloss over, right? Maybe, oh, pastor, I've, I've heard this before and, you know, it just kind of goes in one ear and, and out the other. So I thought I'd just kind of change it up for you a little bit. I, I know that today pastoring is hard. Sometimes we feel like, are people even listening anymore? Are, are people getting it, Right? And so I thought, well, I'll just, listen, if you want to wreck your life, then let me help you wreck your life, all right? If you want to know how to do it, then let me tell you how to do it, all right? Let's just kind of, and I had this thought yesterday, when I was growing up, and this might sound really strange if you're a young parent here today, but I I grew up in the country, you know, probably like, what, 100 years ago maybe or something now, Um, and, and I had some kids in the neighborhood, and they were tempted with smoking, right? They were probably like, 10 years old, 11 years old, you know, just kind of looking for ways to get into trouble. And one of my friends, uh, his parent caught him smoking. And so this is old school now. I don't know if if you guys are going to get this or not, but this parent decided like, all right, you want to learn how to smoke? Then I'll show you how to smoke. And he made my friend smoke like an entire pack of cigarettes. Does anybody like... Like some of you are shaking your head like, yeah, like I had, there were people, or like, it, and it was kind of this idea, you want to want to know what it tastes like? Then we're going to let you know what it tastes like, right? I kind of with this fear of going overboard, right, of having this sense, man, I never want to do that again. Now, I'm not saying that's the smartest thing in the world, because maybe they taught their 10-year-old to become a chain smoker in that moment, I don't know, right? But, but there was kind of this sense, I think parents were trying to shift the script a little bit, right, to put some attention on how to do that. So, so again, if you want to mess up your life, mess up your marriage, then let me give you a couple of easy steps on how to do that today, all right? So number one, I would advise you to neglect your marriage. If you want to wreck your home, you want to wreck your marriage, you want to wreck your legacy, you want to mess up your kids, then the first thing you need to do is you need to neglect your marriage. And there's a lot of ways that you can do that. You can start by neglecting yourself, letting yourself go. You can take your marriage for granted, never bring your best, just be selfish, just step up to the plate for yourself and let it be about me and I. You can spend more time looking at Facebook than looking into the face of your spouse. Hello? How many of you spend more time with your face on a device than your face in the face of your spouse? I recommend that you also find something, anything outside of your marriage that you can give a majority of your energy to. Could be your business, could be a hobby, could be the gym. It doesn't matter what it is, but just find something else and invest a majority of your time and energy into anything other than your marriage. Listen, you want to wreck your life? Then neglect it. You want to wreck your marriage? Then neglect it. The second thing I would tell you is to avoid all intimacy. Avoid, avoid relational intimacy. So, so don't talk openly. Don't, don't like go deep with one another. Don't share your heart. Don't listen. Just just become roommates. Just kind of have some goals where you want to go and just exist. Make sure you get your stuff done. Let her, him, let them get your stuff done and just know, hey, we're just, this is just the way it's going to be. Avoid relational depth. Don't, don't work on that. Don't, don't understand how to draw out really how your partner or what's going on deep inside of them. Avoid sexual intimacy as well. And, and long before I would even talk to you about the act of sexual intercourse, but just the idea of being able to share this, this sense of, of oneness that God has created for you. Just avoid all of that. Just let it be business. Let it be routine. Let it be predictable. Thirdly, I would say enjoy common interests and form an emotional bond with someone else. You want to wreck your marriage? You want to get in trouble relationally? then just let influences and interest from outside of your marriage come 
in to your marriage. Maybe flirt with the line a little bit. No harm, no foul, right, Pastor? Maybe it's somebody from work, or maybe there's a restaurant that you're starting to frequent, and now you're starting to build a little bit of a relationship. Maybe you're going to talk to other people about how tough things are at home and how you're not understood. You're going to pull off and, and just kind of unpack some emotional baggage and some things. Maybe flirt a little bit, kind of be a little bold or kind of live on the edge and just kind of to see how it feels. And all of a sudden, maybe you're getting a little bit of a buzz. All of a sudden, things are, are starting to be exciting again. Listen, you want to wreck your life, you want to wreck your marriage, then, then go ahead by all means. Enter into those kind of things. Let others from outside of your marriage step in to your covenant and into your marriage. And then the last thing I would tell you today is then just make excuses and rationalize your actions. Just convince yourself that, that this is okay. Convince yourself that, 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 that you've been put off for too long, that, that it's been everybody else and now it's your time. You can tell yourself, well, if my wife was meeting my needs, I wouldn't have to look somewhere else to, to get a little something that I need. Or, or again, maybe wives are saying, if my husband's had a sensitive bone in his body, then I would shut down these advances. But if he's not doing it for me, then, then what's so wrong about meeting some of the needs that I have? Listen, you want to wreck your legacy? You want to destroy your marriage? You want to mess your kids up? Then by all means, there's a couple of helps for you to let that happen in your life. But listen, what I really want to give you today, that's maybe conventional wisdom of the world in which we're living, but how many are glad today to know that when we find ourselves in those moments of decision, when we recognize, like, how strong is it between, if we're a husband or wife, what, what really is the foundation of what we have been building, and, and, and what is going to be this legacy of, of what our kids are going to be carrying? How much time do you really spend investing into those kind of things, because if you are not doing that, I told you from the very beginning, we have an enemy of your soul. There is an enemy of your family that is going to put all kinds of garbage in your pathway. And you might find yourself in a weakened moment, destroy all of the wonderful things that God has planned for your life. And so we've got to pay even more closely attention. The Bible gives us a lot of help. How many are glad for that? Can you say yes today? To help us to avoid wrecking our life, wrecking our home, wrecking our marriage. It comes by wisdom. And the, one, the wisest man that ever lived, uh, we know him as Solomon, that God blessed him with a, a, a wisdom above all others. And he writes these words to his son. We read it in Proverbs chapter 5. And, and maybe if we could just paint a picture, it's like a father sitting his son down and trying to give him this wisdom into his relationships and into the future. And he gives him a story to help him to understand how vital it is, how important it is to be so finely tuned in the heart of relationship of the things that are going to be in front of him because of all of the disaster that potentially is waiting alongside of him. A father is instructing his son about the dangers of forsaking his covenant relationship with anything that is outside of that relationship. And I want to drive these points home to every one of us as well. He tells them that you need to do whatever it takes because at some point along the line, temptation is going to be real. As true as it was several thousand years ago, it's true today for each and every one of us. Temptation is going to be real in any relationship that you are in. Listen, we have an enemy that is trying to mess you up. We have an enemy that is trying to destroy the wonderful things that God wants to build, the legacy of what the power of God can do through a family, through a mom and a dad. And because it's going to be real, that we have better be ready and do whatever it takes to combat that. So here's what the wise man says to his son, and here are words that I want to share with those of you that are either in a relationship, a marital relationship, or for those of you that one day have the desire to be in a, in a marriage relationship. First of all, he says this, do whatever it takes to radically reduce the risks of temptations 
or making the wrong choices that ultimately will destroy away from any bad women. Don't even go near the door of her house because you will lose your self-respect and end up in debt to some cruel person for the rest of your life. Strangers will get your money and everything else that you have worked for. You see, here's the problem. Too many of us believe that the line of sin in these areas, when we think about physical adultery, is way over there somewhere. We think, Pastor, listen, even though things that aren't going so well, things that, that maybe, you know, that we never imagined or wouldn't, but, but I would never, or like that is so far away that, that the idea of how that takes place. But I want to remind you this morning, the problem is that, that in God's eyes, not, not in your eyes or my eyes, but in God's eyes, the line of sin in these kind of areas as it relates to our relationships in marriage is not way over there, it's really right here, Right? It's in our minds, it's in our eyes, it's in maybe with our, our touch and all of these things, these senses, right, that are extremely powerful in our lives. And as much as we try to rationalize the thing, Pastor Jim, like, like there's, there's a lot of steps before anything like that would ever happen, you see there's not. Matthew chapter 5 says, but I tell you this, is even if you look at another woman and want her in your heart, you are already unfaithful through your thoughts and are committing the act of adultery. Oftentimes we think that, boy, there are a lot of steps or, or there's a lot of process before that happens, but God is not the God of the far. God is the God of the near. Listen, I want to bring it so much that even if you think about it in God's eyes, like you're already breaking your covenant relationship and you're going to start to wreck your life and your home and your family. And so this father says to his son, stay Away, guard your heart, guard your eyes, guard your mind, because there is an enemy that is wanting to bring destruction into everything that is under your tents. Maybe for those of you that are married here this morning, maybe a good test would be this. Maybe if you'd ask yourself, if, if there was a, a video that was kept all day, maybe again privately, like, I, like someday, you didn't even know when it was going to happen. Maybe it's already happened. All day, all the interactions with other people that were put on video that you had other than with your spouse. Would you be proud to be able to show your spouse how you behave with the opposite sex? Maybe all the emails or the texts or the little emojis or whatever that, that you put out there with people in a, in a relationship, in an adult connection that is away from the covenant of marriage and relationship that you are having. And we could just kind of throw that up on the big screen for your family, your wife, your husband, or for everybody to see what, what would be said of that. There's so many people, you see that, we, we kind of just don't wake up one day and realize that we're so far over the line. It's just these little things that happen that we may not even know where and when that we've crossed the line. You see, that's the pull of the enemy. James chapter 1 says it's just these little enticements, these little entanglements. We think about Samson, right, this, this famed strong man of the Bible times. And it wasn't like they went in one day and they were able to bind him and conquer him. No, this game went on over and over and over. He played with them over the things, right, that God had anointed and put in his life until one day he had crossed the line. And the Bible says he didn't even know that he crossed the line. And that day the Philistines came in and bound him and they cut off his hair and his power and the anointing of God had left him. And Samson hadn't even realized what had taken place. You see, in these early steps, hey, I get it. We feel like we're in command, like, like I'm guarding this. I'm, I'm okay. It's, yeah, pastor, I might, I might have been like bumping the line, but I didn't cross the line. That's the way we all talk at the beginning, right? That's the, the pride of humanity. But we have a cunning enemy who's going to let you think that you're in control, that you're in charge. And we are fools for allowing that to take place. What would be said of some of the conversations about some of the th other we have with people that are outside 
of our marriage. We are saying things to other people. We are doing things. We are allowing things to said or happen that we would say with people outside of our marriage that we are unwilling to say to those that are inside our marriage. Hello? We cross the line. And I know for some of you today that are single, you're kicking back right now saying, man, I love real life. Man, Pastor Jim is just giving it to those married people today. Like, this is the greatest Sunday of my life. Like, just go get them, Pastor. Yeah. So to those of you that are single today, to those of you that one day would desire to have a life in marriage, I would say, then what is your behavior today? If your actions were recorded and we would show them to your future spouse, what would your future spouse say to you in the way that you would have honored them, in the way that you live, the act, the things that you say, the things that you look at on media or on the internet, the ways in which maybe you have crossed the line that someday that future spouse would say, wow. What kind of lifestyle were you? You were saying this, but, but man, you were living another kind of life. You see, the Bible, we don't talk about it much in church. The Bible calls it fornication. It talks about having relationships or allowing ourselves sexually or, or mentally as well to, to move into things that are against the heart of God as much as the Bible speaks about adultery, as if you were married. Maybe we just call it premarital adultery. You are cheating on the person you are going to marry. And unfortunately, can I say, even the church, this is all pastor, like everybody's doing it. Like we're, it's the culture, it's, it's where everyone's at today. Everyone's hooking up. Listen, I said that four or five years ago and my daughter had to say, Dad, you have to stop saying that. Because us in my saying hooking up was way different than what hooking up means today. And it's, Let's just be real. You think it's just happening outside the walls of the church? Encounters that not only older single adults are having? You think it's not a challenge to some of our teenagers today? Lifestyles where they are being open with their body into sexual things and somehow thinking that the presence and the glory of God rests upon us with that when we break his commands? We break the most valued relationship that we are not talking to our kids about. It's unfortunate that we have to talk to our kids about these things today. As unfortunate as it was 20 years ago, right, where we had to talk about stranger danger. We all lived in a society where, man, like, we'd be okay with letting our kids like be outside, run the neighborhood until 8 or 9, 10 o'clock at night. But whatever it was 20 years ago, we don't do that anymore, do we? Why? Did it happen overnight that we became fearful because of predators and because of, of challenges and hurts that could happen to our children that now we have to embrace the idea of safety somewhere? No, every parent recognizes we can't do what we used to do, but yet that doesn't translate to the church anymore. And we just kind of run with our heads in the clouds thinking that everybody is just living these pure lifestyles. But let's be honest, we're letting a lot of the sin of the world permeate the hearts of believers today. And God is calling us out. Listen, you want to wreck your life? You want to wreck the church? You want to wreck the value that God has placed in your life? I would say today, harsh or truth? You see, this father says to his son, keep a path far from her. Do whatever it takes to radically reduce the risk of finding yourself in a place that's going to lead you down a path that's going to wreck not only your life, but around those that you chose to love with everything in your life. Number two, he says, do whatever it takes to invest. Everybody say, invest. Do whatever it takes to invest passionately in your marriage. Chapter 5, verses 18 through 20 says this. Be happy with your wife, with your spouse. Obviously, he's talking to his son. Be happy with your spouse, who you married when you were young. For they are beautiful, they are graceful. He says it in the idea of my wife. She is beautiful, she is graceful, just like the deer. You should be attracted to her. Stay deeply in love with her. 
Don't go crazy over a woman who by herself is unfaithful to her own husband. Can maybe I say it this way? When the grass starts looking greener somewhere else, maybe it's time to water your own yard. Hello? Let me go a little bit deeper into this verse. It's, it's an amazing word picture, and it's probably going to be graphic and shocking to you on the first read. There's a couple of different translations to this, and, and maybe, Challen, if we can go back to the previous slide. Let's see that verse again. Be happy with the wife that you married when you were young. She is beautiful. She is graceful. She's like the deer. You should be attracted to her. There's a, a number of translations that use some different words, but but here in the Hebrew language, when it was written, when, when Solomon was saying this to his son, he, he paints this very graphic, amazing picture to his son that is somewhat shocking when we understand the depth of what this means. The word attracted there, or, or the various words that we get translated for that, some translations in the Bible say captivated. You should be captivated, right, with this love, this deep love of your wife. It's the Hebrew word shagah that Solomon uses. Say that with me. It is shagah. You should be captivated, attracted, fully invested in this marriage, in this relationship to your husband or to your wife. And as descriptive and as graphic as this word picture is, the word symbolizes it is when an animal captures, kills, and eats the other animal. Shagah. That's pretty graphic, right? We've all seen the National Geographic pictures, right? The, the lion and, you know, knocking down the gazelle or the hyenas, right? Just ripping apart. And, and for some of us, like, that's, that's hard for us to watch. Like, wow, Pastor, that's pretty graphic. That's, that's, you know, whatever. And yet that is the image that Solomon gives to his son. Your your passion, your desire should be absolutely captivating, ravishing. I mean, we can use that word, right, on, on both senses. In one sense, it's very graphic in a, in a nature sense, right? That, that lion ravaged that gazelle, and, and we kind of get that picture. But, but there's a, an emotional human side to that, right? That, that we recognize the love that we have. I, I, I ravaged. It's powerful. It's strong, right? We might not say those kind of words all the time, but, but that's the feeling, the meaning. Like, I, I ravaged my husband, my wife. I'm so deeply in love. My thought, I want to be over-captivating with her, with him. It's such strong imagery that I don't think that we live that way and we recognize that now sometimes we have parents and we have husbands and wives whose heads now start to be a little bit on a swivel. And I hear it all the time. It's because if we feel like we're, we're not getting some of that at home, it's amazing how attractive it is when I get a little bit of that. Come on, somebody from somebody else at work or the gym or whatever. I want to feel like I want to be hunted. Hello? Is it making sense now? I have this idea like my husband or my wife is not giving me the attention. And I'm not necessarily out going and looking for it, but I'm finding myself in places and I, I start to feel my heart, my head, my mind now on a swivel. Boy, wouldn't it be great to be the focus of another hunter in my life? And we say that we never cross the line, but it's amazing, right? We don't take big leaps and jumps more times than not. It's just little steps. You see, to be captivated, to be enraptured, to be intoxicated, to be consumed emotionally, lovingly, this is what Solomon, this is the wisdom of this guy trying to present to his son. This is the emotion Listen, physically, sexually, that's animalistic, right? All that kind of stuff can happen in the human world and even in the animal world. But that's not what makes it different and godly for you and I. It's in here. It's in here, right? It's this kind of lifestyle that God wants to build your home upon. 
So why are you out looking and allowing anything else, some other lion, to come in to your home? That is what you should be with the wife of your youth. Why would you allow someone else to do that? Debbie and I have been working on that for the past 38 years. I think I can tell you today, I I didn't really check this out with her, but I think she would agree with me this morning. I would tell you today that there is more shaga that's happening in our marriage today than there maybe has been in any other time in our life. We're closer, we're more intimate, we're more in love today. Can I tell you why? Because we've honored our covenant before God. Because I've known no one other than my wife. Because she has known no one else but her husband. We have honored our covenant. You say, well, Pastor Jim, this is a, this is a changing world. You guys got married like 100 years ago. It was different back then. I do agree it's, it's harder today. But it's not any harder to follow the covenant of God a hundred years, a thousand years, or today. Either he's, it's either his way or no way. And second of all, it's because we have worked at it for 38 years. You see, have there been definite times where there has been stuff, people, church work, Stress, insecurities that have tried to wedge themselves into our covenant? Absolutely. Would any of those have happened all at once? Just a truckload, just boom, and there it was? No. We could feel at times in our marriage over 38 years, these little temptations, these moments in our life that the enemy had won to wreck our life. And so you have to put a lot of shaga. You have to put a lot of work in. The third thing that his father gives to his son is this. If you are going to go down that road of sin. You see, and that's kind of the whole point of kind of this message and kind of flipping the script because sometimes for those, certainly as pastors or others and sometimes as parents, right? Like we feel like we're, we're kind of giving it out there. We're, we're giving the truth and yet people are just like, hey, thanks, yeah, blah, blah, and they're just going and doing the wrong stuff anyway. But I wonder if we visualize what would be the cost over the long haul. Verses 3, 4, and 5 says this. The words of an immoral woman, they may be as sweet as honey and smooth as olive oil, but all that you really get from being with her is going to be bitter poison and pain. If you follow her, she will lead you down to the world of the dead. How many have ever said at one time in your life, if I only knew then what I know now? See, that's what Solomon was trying to tell his son. Listen, I get it. You're 18, you're 20. You're not going to get it all. But there's going to be a point in your life where we all say, I wish I knew then what I know now. There's some of you that say, well, Pastor Jim, like, like I know the wise you just have to learn from their mistakes. Like, I, I have to make mistakes. That's how I learn. Right? We, we buy into these lies that say, I, I have to make these mistakes. I have to, to bite into temptation. I have to somehow figure it all out rather than realizing it's the wiser man that learns from the mistakes of others. Oh, wait, you're telling me that God has a better plan, that I don't have to go through all that garbage, I can avoid all of this temptation, and that there is a real enemy that wants to wreck my life, and yet God can keep me, God can protect me, if I would just honor his word, if I would just follow what he's asked me to do? Yes! You see, all that stuff that we find ourselves looking at, whether online or out in the world, it's just all an illusion, it's all based on lies. He says, the adulterous woman, all you're going to get at the end is bitter poison and pain. You see, nobody believes that at the beginning. 
Like, right? We're, we're kind, of, kind of jazzed by that a little bit. Like, whoo, man, it's, it's been a while since someone's paid this kind of attention. I, boy, it's been a long time since I've, I've felt these feelings that I'm feeling. Like, whoo, I, like, what am I going to do with this? Like, like, we feel like it's a game. Yeah, it's a game of, of an animal that's coming to kill you. My son, a number of years ago, rented a house out in the country. And uh, he knew some friends that were hunting coyotes. And, and Jimmy hunted a little bit. He, he, I wouldn't say, you know, like that was one of his passions. But, but because he had this property and, and uh, he felt like I'm going to give it a shot. So for those of you, a lot of times when you go coyote hunting, sometimes you'll take a, a recording of a, like a wounded animal. That's what kind of attracts them. And, and you'll place it, you know, 50 yards or 80 yards away. And it'll just kind of be this sound of an animal. And then you kind of find your hiding place and you wait for the coyotes to be attracted to that. Well, Jimmy didn't know that. And he kept this, like, this sound-making device with him. And he's telling me, Dad, like, it was crazy. Like, I'm, I'm making the coyote call, and then I would hear a coyote, like, to my right, like, howling. Like, I was getting jazzed, right? So I, so I did it again, and then, and then I heard a coyote sound behind me. It was awesome. Like, I was, and then... And then I did, and then I saw one, like, I heard one coming to the left. Like, he's like, I'm amazing at coyote hunting. And I had to tell him, Jimmy, you're not hunting coyotes. The coyotes are hunting you. <laughs> you see, think we can kind of keep it and we can play with it. And somehow we're in control. And little do we know that those ravenous animals are looking to strike when we least expect it. You see, the only place that this is going to lead is to a life of bitter poison and pain. Maybe Adriel and the team can help me. So what does he say? Let me just finish with this today. The wise man says to his son, do whatever it takes to visualize the potential destruction if you are going to go down that road of sin. So men, picture this. Picture sitting down with your children someday and saying, kids, you know I love you, but there's a reason why I can't live in this house anymore. There's a reason why mommy and daddy can't be together, why we can't show up in the same vehicle to your little softball or your little league games. I love you, but daddy did some things that he's not proud of. Ladies, you're going to have to picture maybe sitting with your mom and dad and as they now have to take care of your kids and confess, here's what I did. Not proud of it. Didn't think it would ever go that far. Never intended for anything like this to ever happen. Fast forward and visualize the reality of what it's like. Unfortunately, as we hear it and we think, Pastor, but it's, is it become normalized? But that's not how God has called us to live. I think about me and what helps me with my shagah for my wife and for my family. Be captivated, to be ravished, to be ravenous to my home. What would it be for me if I sinned, if I broke my covenant? Listen, if it happened to me, it would be a community headline. Oh, did, you, did you hear about the pastor in real life? Did you hear what happened? Christ, his church would get a black eye. I'm going to get called to our district office and have to sit in front of the district superintendent and all the church leaders here in Pennsylvania. I wouldn't get to be your pastor any longer. Everything that I've worked for for the last 15 years would be gone. The integrity that I have today, I would never, I would never get it back again for being a minister of the gospel of Christ, for standing on a platform and teaching and sharing with you the power of the word of God and yet not obeying it myself. But can I tell you today, church, family, friends, 
That would be the easy part. That would be easy. Compared to having to look into the eyes of my wife for 38 years who loved me more than I ever deserved. I'd have to sit my kids down and unpack everything they ever believed in me and watch them wrestle with how could my dad preach it to others and not live it himself? What would I be led to believe? You see, when I think about those moments, when I think about that experience, man, I want to flee. I want to recognize, God, the value that you have placed in my life, the gift that you have given me, and yet so frivolously to be able to turn it away because I've been enticed by some kind of selfish motive by an adulterous woman, man, who's looking for some selfish one-night stand that I bit into, thinking that I could get away with it, that what's it going to matter only to realize that nothing stays dead, nothing stays in the shadows forever. Hello? How foolish. How foolish. The travesty that my kids would have to live with for the rest of their lives. And maybe for some of you here today that are having an easy time swallowing what culture is going to feed you to. This forbidden lover, statistics say 3%. And what percentage of those marriages fail? That little love spring, that, that one that I've always wanted, the one that knows me, the one that understands me. Do you know how many of those marriages fall apart? Three out of four. You see, you have a less than 1% chance to make it with that person who you think is going to change your life. 1%. Are you willing to throw it all away for that? Are you willing to realize... Listen, even though things are tough right now, I've got to honor the commitment that I made before God. I'm not saying that every one of us, every moment of our life, that our marriages are 100%. We're human. We have difficulties. We have struggles. And yet, rather than just burying our heads in the sand, God wants us to run into His loving arms to renew maybe our commitment first of all to him and ask God to help us revive the love that I need for my wife, my husband, my family. That God would give me some shagah in my home again. That I would be raptured. That I get my face out of Facebook and get my face into the face of my wife and my kids. You know, we've long said you know, you can buy your kids $1,000 worth of Christmas toys. And how many know they're going to be lost, broken, and unplayed with within two or three weeks? But I guarantee, Dad, you get down on the floor, and that kid will play and wrestle with you until he's exhausted beyond belief. Why? Because it's not stuff that your family needs. It's you. Not just some of you, all of you is what they need. And if you're giving some of you to a little flirt at work, you're giving some of you to some online passion, some book that's enrapturing your mind away from what God has, let me tell you, the enemy has a hook in you, has a noose about to go around your neck. And God forbid that you become another statistic Someone that heard the gospel, that knew the power of Christ to rescue you and save you today. Harsh or truth? It's truth. And so I want to close this morning as I've asked some of you today. You see, the good news is that God promises 
to be the lover of our souls, to help us to be enraptured with him. And we recognize how good, how wonderful he is to us, then how we then can be rapturous to those that are around us today. So I'm going to ask if you'll all stand with me this morning. And I want to pray for all of our families. And so maybe if you're here today, maybe as a husband and wife, guys, maybe why don't you just put, Debbie, why don't you come and join me so that we'll just, we're not going to just say it, but we're going to do it. Guys, maybe just put your arm around your wife today. Maybe again, if you're, maybe if you're single today, again, maybe this desire, this, this, this need is to say just in your heart, man, this is like, this is the reality. This is what I want. I want my home to be protected under the power and the love of God. I want to know that culture doesn't lead me. How many believe God's word is here to lead me? Amen? I don't want to follow him and his ways over my life. And I want to pray over your family today. I want to pray over husbands and wives. Those of you that are single today, you have this desire. Maybe it just hasn't, obviously you haven't found that person right now. So you need to be in training to be the person that God wants you to be. That when that happens, that you're going to be honoring and you're going to be an honor bearer for what God has in your life and over your life. See, it's pretty strategic and challenging when we look back. God created man and woman. He put them together as a husband and wife. And who was the first person to show up to mess that up? It was the enemy. And if he knew, I need to be on this quick. I need to be on this early. Can I tell you, if you are going to allow some stuff to linger in your house, Guess who's going to show up? He's not waiting. He's ready to strike. He's ready to act. And so maybe husbands and wives, maybe you need to have a conversation today with each other. Maybe you need to have a conversation with Debbie and I. But if you ignore this, I just want you to know that there is a real enemy that is not only trying to wreck your life, he's trying to wreck the church of Jesus Christ. We as a people can't have our head in the sand in this culture any longer. We've got to be radical to protect our homes, to protect our kids, to protect our family. It's time not to shut up, it's time to put up what the power of God's holiness is in our lives. So thank you for letting me share some hard truth with you, the people of God today. I pray that God will help you as a home, that together, block by block, that God will help us as his people to be a banner of his protection, a banner of his glory. Amen.